Hey guys, it's Jeremy. We're glad you've decided to make the Everyman livestream a part of your day. Now I think every man watching and listening today would agree that having a clear goal in mind gives you more focus, better energy, and a greater chance at success. It's a no-brainer, right? Well, did you know that God's man only needs to have one goal in mind when it comes to his relationships with God? That's right. No matter where you are, who you're with, or what circumstance you find yourself in, you just have to have one goal in mind. Are you ready for it? Please God. Now that's not always easy, but that is what Jesus modeled and what the Bible teaches. Jesus lived to please God, and Jesus lives in every believer. And the Bible says that every true believer lives to please God more and more as they grow in Christ. Now today, we're going to learn that every man has a unique assignment from God that only he can fulfill. And God is pleased when we finish the work God has called us to do. But before we dive into today's study, here's what I want you to do. Take a second and share this powerful session with your friends. Now, let's go live to Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, and join men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck, for part five of Live to Please. Good morning. Glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, welcome to the call study. Uh, want to make an observation right now as we finish up our series, uh, Live to Please, and we're in part five. Right now, certain types of people are thinking about one thing. Let's, let's tick through a few things. Right now, the best Olympic athletes in the world are focused on one thing, gold in Tokyo, 2020. I don't know if you knew that the Summer Olympics are going to be in Tokyo, but that's where they're going to be. And right now, just like you were waking up, getting your coffee, doing your thing, man, they're waking up, they're focused on one thing, all right, because they're the best Olympic athletes in the world, gold in Tokyo. Right now, let's go to a different identity. Uh, farmers, soybean and corn farmers in, in Iowa, focused on one thing, harvest. Yeah, harvest and a trade deal with China, all right? <laughs> That's secondary focus, but first focus, you, you got to have something to trade, all right? So they're focused on the harvest. Right now, uh, let's see, what's another one? Uh, National counterterrorism team, focused on one thing, neutralizing threats, identifying threats, neutralizing threats, right? So the reason I'm sharing that with you as we finish up our series, Live to Please, is that dominant identity, dominant energy, right? So if I'm an Olympic athlete, man, I'm waking up and I'm, I've got... I've got my identity, I'm, I'm an Olympic athlete. Olympic athletes are focused on one thing, medals, all right? Soybean and corn farmers, all right? They're focused on one thing, harvest, all right? Counterterrorism team, all right? They're focused on one thing, identifying those threats to our safety and neutralizing them and bringing resources to do that. What about God's men? What if you are a follower of Jesus Christ? What if that is your dominant identity? Where's your dominant energy go? Right at the top of your notes on live to please number five, it tells us exactly what our energy should be going to. Let's read that together. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one. Ready? Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. The reason we are even doing this series, Live to Please, is because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then Jesus lives in you. 
And then we see that identity as a follower, and we go, well, if Jesus lives in me, and he was the son of God, and I'm a man of God, where do I put my energy? Right? Jesus said in John 8, 28, the one who sent me is with me. He has not abandoned me, for I always do what pleases him. Let's say that together. I always do what pleases him. One more time. I always do what pleases him. So we're building that bridge between Jesus his identity, your connection to him, your identity, and what your dominant energy is going to be, right? Because we kind of common sense, you're like, oh, if that's their energy, this is their focus. They got one thing on their mind. And in this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, it kind of tells us a few things that we should unpack as we close this series out. And the first thing we have to see is the urgency, right? You notice the language, finally, brother, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you. Have you ever had somebody tell you that they urge you to do something? Where they're, they're, they're with you and they go, man, you, you should do that right now. Okay? It's because they know, that, they know that it's really important. You may not know its importance, but they're stressing the importance that you need to put some energy on that right now. That's the way the Apostle Paul was working with these believers. He goes, I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? To live in a way that pleases God. So you gotta see the urgency. Second, see the authority. He's not going, I urge you because I think it's a good idea. He's saying, I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here is the person who defines our identity and defines our energy, and it's with his authority in his name. It's sort of like, the he, Jesus has his stamp on this one. What I'm about to say next is I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus, wait for it, to live in a way that pleases God. So this is a direct order and message from God Two followers of God to live in a way that pleases Jesus. Third, you got to see the simplicity. That's what I love about the Bible. I love that's what I love about just knowing Jesus. Is I look at Him, I see how He thinks, and then I go, "I'm supposed to think that way." He says, "For I always do what pleases Him." And then here in First Thessalonians four, we read to live in a way that pleases God. Circle in a way. The whole focus of pleasing God is adjusting your ways. Everybody say, adjusting your ways. Adjusting your ways. Right, I exchange my ways for his ways. That's what it's like to know Jesus. I know Jesus, I talk with Jesus, I get to know his mind, he reveals his will to me, and then I exchange my ways of living for his ways. Right, so see the urgency, see the authority, see the simplicity, and then fourth, see the energy. I love how there is this stretching that is happening here. Paul says, you live in this way already. Wow, okay, that says something not about me or not about you. That says something about the Thessalonians, all right? Now, Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica, and he said, I want a, I want a report card. And man, they were just like, A in faith, A. They, they were just after it. And then Paul, in, in and talking to them, he goes, hey, you live this way already. Then listen to what he says. And we encourage you to do so, what? Even more. So what's your even more this morning? You might have known Jesus for two weeks. You might have known him for two years. You might have known him for 20 years, 30, 40 years. But guess what? There's an even more for you this morning. 
there's a stretching. And that's what I love about it, right? Even more. Now, whether you're the son of God or you're a man of God, that's your identity. Your focus and energy is the same. Let's read the words of Jesus from John chapter nine, verse four, as we move into this last topic about living to please God in the exchange of ways. Let's read the words of Jesus, ready? As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. You see, Jesus came from heaven, had a unique assignment, and then went back to heaven. You came out of God's mind, God pressed the button on you, you're on earth for a purpose, and then you're going back to God. All right? The same is true for you. And so Jesus, because we're in the same kingdom, we're in the same spiritual family, he's reminding us, hey, while you're here, we must work the works of him who sent me, for night is coming when no man can work. That means there's a clock on you, just like there was a clock on Jesus. He wasn't gonna be here for perpetuity. He came here to do a job. There was a reason he was born. There was a reason he lived. There was a reason he died. There was a reason he resurrected. You have the same mantle on you in your context, okay? In your context, in your set of relationships, in your place of work, in your neighborhood, in your world. There is an assignment that only, let me say that again, only you can fulfill because you occupy unique space on earth. And so what we're gonna look at this morning is how do we please God by completing the work that he's assigned to me? And guys, that's how, that's how we're gonna be successful in life. Success is living out our identity if you're a man of God. So let's look at the first way. First way we please God by completing the work assigned to me is I embrace God's intention for my life versus whose intention? culture's intention, your family's intention, all right? Maybe family's, you know, has a plan for you. Well, that's good, but we're called to embrace God's intention for uh, our lives. And look at what it says in Ephesians 2.10. This is God's intention. Okay, let's read that together. Ready? He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Wow, it's a lot of focus to that, isn't there, right? It's kind of like, I'm creating you, and I created you with an idea in mind, and when I create something with an idea in mind, I'm gonna use the thing I created for that thing I have in mind, all right? This tells you the things that God has in mind for you. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever your future may hold, God tells us the things he has in mind for us. They're already prepared for us. So that's the first step to pleasing God by completing the work he's assigned to us. I just simply have to embrace his intention for my life. Now, I just want to share share that, you know, those those that work that God has for you, you know, it, it depends on your context, right? When I was a single dude, I'm just like, yeah, smuggle Bibles around the behind the iron curtain. Yeah, let's go. All right? Who cares if I get caught? All right? Just like no responsibilities, not married, not tied down, you know, just let's go. Right? Then I got married. It's like, oh, I have a responsibility, my wife and my kids, and that's my first circle of influence, and I'm called to live God's way with them and then extend that out from my first circle in. Right? Join a church, be a part of that. Right? Serve in the church, serve in the world. It changed. And now I'm at a different season of life. Right? 
My kids are out of, out of school and they're out of the house. And now God's transitioning me into some new works that I have the freedom and energy to do. Right? So seasonally, you'll, you'll move from certain kinds of works that your context allows you to do. And God knew that you would, you would be single in your life for however long. He knew that you would be married. He knew you'd be a dad. He knew that you'd be a boss. He knew uh, what season of life you're in. And God has works for you to do in each season and context of your life. Amen? So you better be up to that. They're already planned. He knew where you would be at a certain point in time. He knew where you would be maximally effective to do his work. So I embrace God's intention for my life. Second, I imitate Jesus' example. I imitate Jesus' example. If you ever wonder, you know, gosh, what, what, what should I be up to? You know, careers come and go, they change, you might transition, but you know, what should I always be up to? Well, you know, you gotta think and live like Jesus. In John chapter 17, verses four and five, Jesus is, is winding things up, and he's thinking with hindsight about his time on earth. So you ever kinda, got to the end of something, or maybe you just got a couple things you got to wind up, but it's mostly done. And now you're kind of looking back, and you're just like, wow, there was the journey, all right? This is the moment. John 17 is that moment when Jesus is just about to go to the cross, final meetings with disciples, and he's kind of looking back in hindsight on, wow, what was, what was the journey for? What was it about? Let's read what he said in John 17. Ready? I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So, dominant identity, dominant energy from heaven to earth to bring glory to God is to please God. I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. We didn't complete Jesus' work. Guess what? Jesus isn't going to complete your work. You're going to complete your work. And he handed that off to us. Look at what he says in John 14, 12. Here's the handoff. Let's read that together. Ready? I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. There it is again. Dominant identity, dominant energy. What is the man of God supposed to be up to? He's supposed to be up to the works of God in his context, all right? So that's number two. I imitate Jesus's example, all right? Number three, I recognize and use my spiritual gifts. Now, when I was talking about dominant identities and dominant energy, I mean, Olympic athletes, they're gifted, okay? I mean, they got hops, they can run fast, they can jump, they, they do things that, you know, us regular humans can't, you know. They're gifted. It's the same in any sport, right? You just go, whoa, that person has facility. Their mind and their body are just working together and their genetics. It's all, it's all going on. And you just, you're like, oh my gosh. It's a thing of beauty, you know, when you watch an athlete just use their gifting. Why? Because God deposited genetically certain things in that person and they're using their gift. And when you see someone in their gift, it's just a thing of beauty. Can I just tell you something? A thing of beauty, people using their gifts to serve and please God is not limited to celebrity personalities and dominant personalities in today's culture. God has deposited in you certain gifts. And I know as your pastor, 
And if you're watching, when your pastor sees you operating in your gifts, based on who you are and the gifts that God deposited, the mind he gave you, man, it's a thing of beauty. Because you see someone in line with the purpose for which they were created. And that's where we have to recognize and use our spiritual gift. Versus what? Neglect them. Look what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 4, let's read it together. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now I'm gonna say something. Two things. One, God has deposited spiritual gifts in you. Number two, you need to find out and use those spiritual gifts. Dominant identity, dominant gifts. And they're unique. The Bible teaches that there's 22 gifts, you know, that, that, that God deposits, spiritual gifts that God deposits in a believer, and not everybody has all of them, all right? But every believer has some of them. And they're all needed. And if you haven't gone through let's just say, a spiritual gifts assessment, you should do that. You should Google spiritual gifts assessment. You should take the test. It's really simple. It's very intuitive. We do it here at Crossline with our people. Why? Because we want them to please God by completing the work that's assigned to them. And part of that is understanding. Okay? I know and love and follow Jesus, the Bible says that I have gifts that I need to recognize and use. I'm not sure what those are. I need to find out what those are, and I need to put those to work because that's part of the work that God has given me to do. So I recognize and use my spiritual gifts. Again, dominant identity, dominant energy with spiritual gifts. Fourth, I release myself to the Holy Spirit's control. Wow, here we go. I'm embracing God's intention. I'm imitating Jesus' example. I'm recognizing my gifts. Man, I'm gonna do the work that's assigned to me and I have a helper in the work. And he speaks to me and he guides me and he leads me in truth and he comforts me, all right? And he empowers me to do the work. That's why when Jesus looked at his guys, he said, and you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and outermost parts of the world. So he looked at his guys and he said, yeah, you're my followers, and guess what? I'm gonna empower you to do your work. I've done my work. I'm gonna empower you to do my work. How does that happen? Through the Spirit of God. Let's read about how those two come together in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Ready? Let's read that together. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Wow. Okay, so you have this ember. It's planted. right? But that ember inside of you needs to 
be fanned into a flame. You guys ever been camping? You know how that works. You know, you Boy Scouts out there, you got the stick, you're going, you got, got the flint, you're trying, you know, and you just get something that's combustible, right? And you get some kindling or, you know, uh, some moss, some dried moss or something, and you're out there, and you get that, that, that precious potential going, and once you get it going, man, you're, you're interested in cultivating and blowing wind on it. Can I just tell you something? God, right now, He's blowing on the ember of your gift in your life. You're here this morning to receive the wind of God, the encouragement of God, the fellowship of God, the worship of God, the word of God, to have the ember that's inside of you blown on. Now, it it should move from kind of precious potential to fierce fire. You know, when Jesus was being talked about by John the the Baptist, he said, no, I'm, I'm not the guy. I, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, but the one who's coming, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. Fire, when it's getting blown, and we're in Southern California, so we know all about that. Man, it's unstoppable. It is a force. It consumes. It gobbles up territory. That's why, how I want you to think about your spiritual gifts. God wants to use this fellowship. God wants to use his word God wants to give you a team called the local church to do what? To blow on that ember and to encourage it and to cultivate it and protect it and to fan it into a flame so that you can consume the territory that God has uniquely assigned to you on earth. And if you're consuming your territory and you're consuming your territory and I'm consuming my territory and you're consuming your territory and we bring those embers together, guess what happens? It becomes even a more massive Wildfire, that's why unity in the body of Christ, unity of this fellowship, you recognizing your spiritual gifts, you recognizing your spiritual gifts, us coming before the Lord and worshiping and praying and being filled with the Holy Spirit, that just adds to that ember and that ember comes in. But if you're an ember and you're not fanning into flame, your gift, our fire isn't as effective for the Lord Jesus, amen? And that's why when I think about 700 million men with embers around the world, think about that. And they're fanning, instead of neglecting their gift, they're fanning it into the flame. And God's word says that the Holy Spirit makes that man bold. He has power and love and self-discipline. That wind, that fire, from men of God joining together, banding together, gobbling up territory, using their gifts, love, power, self-discipline. Whoa, that's what God's up to. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening online. God is saying, fan into flame your gift. Join with other men whose gifts are being fanned into a flame. Let that flame grow. So if you're here in this room and you're connected, let's get some more men connected. If you're listening online, Keep fanning into the flame, the guys at your table, and let's be a part of this worldwide outpouring of God's spirit and fire. That's why he says, join with me. At the end of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 6, he says, rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by what? The power of God. Yeah, we'll be opposed. There's fire stokers and there's fire extinguishers in this world. 
all right? And there will be extinguishers, your fears, your feelings, back, you know, blowback from being a Christian. But that doesn't matter because our, we're together. That's why Paul's saying it's better together, okay? Your ember will go out by yourself. It's hard to fan it into the flame, but when you're connected to the body of Christ, man, you got that, that unity, that, those numbers, all right? And so if it comes at us, we're not absorbing the blowback and the persecution ourselves. We're absorbing it together and we're saying, that's okay, let's keep going forward. That's okay, let's keep going forward. That's all right, you're, I'm with you. Let's keep going forward. Let's keep taking territory. That's what happens when men release themselves to the Holy Spirit's control and they, fa- they fan the ember of their gift into a flame together. They combine, it becomes a force that's bigger than they are alone. Join with me, all right? Lastly, in number five, after you embrace God's intention, after you see Jesus' example and say, he lives in me and that's my example, after you recognize your spiritual gifts and don't neglect them and then release those gifts to the power and control of the Holy Spirit to direct, lastly, I risk it all for Jesus. I risk it all for Jesus. Guys, I want us to learn together a principle we already know, but we're gonna say it out loud and say it to ourselves and, and, and say it to every evil force out there. Ready? Say, no risk, no, risk. no story. I don't tell you stories about me popping two pieces of multigrain bread in my toaster in my kitchen because it takes absolutely no risk. But what did I reflect on? Man, when I was younger, I was smuggling Bibles through the Iron Curtain. That, I will tell the story. No risk, no story. Part of the reason why we don't experience the fulfillment of knowing Jesus is because we never risk for the relationship. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, he said, the man who seeks to save his life will lose it. But the man who loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find true life. The reason you're not experiencing true life is because you're not risking anything for the author of life. And that's what Jesus is calling us into. Man, I love adventure. I like taking risks. You know, Pastor JP and I, we take the guys up to the wilderness. We go on the Kern River. I mean, there's guys falling out of the thing. There's Pastor JP licking blood off someone's face whose head hit a rock. And it's just like, we're just having a ball and we're telling stories and we talk about people. But why? Because we got in that Kern River that was flowing at 5 million cubic feet per second. We got into something really strong. And we went on the adventure. You know what Jesus said? He said, the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully. Say forcefully. And forceful men lay hold of it. Wow. See, that's the adventure you're called to. And so whenever you see an opportunity, all right, to lose your old ways, your old life, your old way, to risk something for Jesus, do that. Because guess what? We'll be talking about that. And when you talk about your risk for Jesus, that makes me want to risk for Jesus more. When you talk about sharing your faith with some guys, that makes me want to share my faith with some guys. When you talk about doing something uh, that's sacrificial to give or to help other people, that makes me want to do something sacrificial and help people. Your risk fuels my risk. But if you're not risking and I'm not risking, we are no threat to evil. You see, in the world today, if I asked you, uh, or if I ask men who, who are affiliated to Jesus, hey, do you follow Jesus? Like, yeah, I'm a, follow, I'm a Jesus follower. Then if I, ask, if I followed up that first question with this question, are you a threat to evil? I don't know about that one. Guys, 
we're supposed to be a threat to evil. Jesus said, you're, you're Simon, now you're Peter. On this rock, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He was talking to 12 guys and then in Acts 2.14, the Bible says this, and Peter stood with the 11. What a statement. They're not neglecting the Holy Spirit in them. They know the work that God has given them to do. They are combining their embers. They come together and the guys who were running away are now running to battle. They stand up together and they're doing something great for God and we are telling their story today. What is God gonna do through this fellowship? What's God gonna do through your men's fellowship? What's he gonna do with your friendships? How are you gonna be fire stokers coming together? You can live your life for a lot of things, but if you're not doing and completing the work God has assigned to you when you report to God, there's gonna be some thoughts and some emotions, all right? What we wanna hear is well done, good and faithful. Faithful with what? The work that God has given me to do on earth. In my context, that's the cool thing. You don't have to like search for a special context. You don't have to get on a plane and go to a foreign country. If you're a boss and you employ people, all right, you can do and complete God's work there. If you're a husband, you can complete God's work there. If you're a dad, you can complete God's work there. If you're a neighbor, you can complete God's work there. God's prepared works wherever you are. Let's say that together. God's prepared works wherever you are. That's the beauty and the power of God. But guys, we gotta recognize time is short. As long as it is day, what are we living for? Doesn't mean that we don't enjoy life. It doesn't mean that we don't do fun things. It doesn't mean that we retreat and we, we, we become a monk. That does, that's not what God's saying. God says, you know what? I placed you on the globe for this time in history with certain relationships and certain gifts to do my work. Are you in that work? That's the question that God is asking of us this morning. So think, think, where am I? What am I doing? Who am I with? How can I do God's work? Where am I? What am I doing? Who am I with? How can I do God's work? That's how the man of God thinks. And you see, guys, there's urgency. So I'm gonna say the verse we started off with here at the end and commission you prophetically. Finally, my dear brothers, you're all my brothers. I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. You live this way already, and I encourage you to do so even more. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, this is a holy moment. Your word is clear, your word speaks. It is not confusing what you're saying this morning. You've got a work for me to do. You've got a work for every man listening to the sound of my voice, and it doesn't matter whether we're a pastor, a businessman, fireman, retail person, whoever we are, wherever we live, whoever we're connected to, you have a work for us to do and you've equipped us with gifts to do them. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the local church. We have a team that encourages us and fans into flame the gift that you've deposited Lord, give us discernment to know 
our own personalities, our own journeys, our own experiences, and yes, our own spiritual gifts. And God, I pray for every man listening to the sound of my voice that he wouldn't neglect his gift, but that he would develop and cultivate it. And then, Lord, I'm gonna ask you for something really big. I pray for every man in the body of Christ this morning. Lord, with this community of men right now, we reach out right now in faith and lay our hands, just like men laid hands on their friends to, to ignite their gifts, Lord. Right now, this community of men, we lay hands on every man in the body of Christ worldwide. And Lord, we pray for the activation of his ember, his gift. And then we pray, Lord, even as we pray for ourselves, that we would come together with other men around the world so that the flame would grow brighter and brighter and brighter. And Lord, I pray for the moment when there's blowback and there's persecution because we're activating and our wildfire is spreading. Lord, I pray for that moment that together we would weather the blow and keep going. So I pray for every discouraged man that is on the other end of my voice, Lord. I thank you for telling him who he is. I thank you that his identity is man of God. And he can rest and peace with the assurance of knowing that he can please you right now where he is by doing the works of the one who sent you, Jesus. Lord, we know that time is short. We know there's a clock on every person's life. And we ask for you to fill us with your Holy Spirit and we ask you, Holy Spirit, not to make us timid, but to give us power and love and self-discipline and join with other men. So Lord, we don't want to save our lives. We, we wanna lose them for you. For you say in your word, my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we belong to those who have faith and are saved. God, we, we declare victory in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.